world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's, it's time. time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, no, I'm not in the concentration camp somewhere. It just looks like it. Um, my wife and family, uh, that's not true. Took our grand, our grandchildren, uh, eight of them and two of our daughters and my wife and I, we went for a week, couple, couple nights. Well, I just went one night into the Hocking Hills, which is a pretty neat place. Part of Ohio had a cabin. They're all sleep, all sleep. Well, Michelle's up and Abby's up in there, but, uh, it's freezing. It's rain. It's rain for like, I don't know. It's, that's crazy. Anyway, uh, I did a little bit of preparation because I, I didn't know if we were going to have good internet. I didn't know anything like that. So I leaned on my old buddy, Clay. I said, Clay, you got to help me here, man. I don't even know if I'm going to have good coverage. So if we have bad, I'm dressed in my battle gear. You can probably see my old, my old worn out cross hat. I got a hooded sweatshirt on. I'm sitting outside because I want to wake all those babies up yet. It's what's a couple minutes after seven here for show number 1881. Who would ever be able to believe that? And hey, just that right up front, we want to acknowledge the fact that it's Paul Goslin's birthday. How about that? I don't know how old Paul is today, but happy birthday to you, Paul. And we're glad to have Paul back into the queue. And I spoke to him yesterday and let it, if he wants to share with us, uh, he can at some point let us know. But thank God for all the prayers brought Paul through. And uh, I want to uh, we want to lift up OJ and Dorita's grandbaby. I don't really don't know. Uh, Michelle was communicating with uh, Dorita last night. Their grandbaby was. Uh, See, I don't know all the facts. I don't know whether the baby was premature. I don't know if they went to the hospital for the delivery, but they were having some complications last night. So we just pray that uh, uh, that you lift up OJ and Dorita and their, their grandson coming into the world. Jeff Klein just shared with us his, his granddaughter is still in the hospital and uh, still needs our prayer, although there's light at the end of the tunnel on that one, and we need to need to continue to lift her up. Man, is it the devil, the daggone devil. See, it's a fallen world with fallen men. That's just, that's why we find ourselves in the situation that we're in. And let's go back to, we could do a whole show on just the, uh, as I said, the second tablet of the, of the Ten Commandments, the six tablets that tell us, uh, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet, don't, don't commit adultery. Don't all that. If we just if we just live by those, a lot of these problems we're dealing with would be going away. I got. I'm not going to show it today. Clay Clay Parker is riding shotgun with me today because I didn't know if I was going to have a good clear internet to be able to do all of it today. And so uh, I, I had some links prepared, but I'm not going to use them. That we now know, folks. Pfizer Pfizer knew that the Pfizer knew that the vaccine that the jab would cause miscarriages, destroy the uh, the uh, reproductive system. They knew it, friends. They knew it. This is this stuff is so much worse than the Nuremberg trials. If uh, we're going to have to get justice for all that, let me let me throw a couple more things out here before we get going. Uh, Trent, okay, Trent, can you come in here for a minute, Trent? 
and talk to us a little bit about this prayer team that we're trying to launch here at at uh, Coach Dave Live. Because, folks, we've been, you know, we've been doing uh, every once in a while we do it on a weekend for a particular event. But, Trent, this is what I love about Coach Dave Live and you guys out there. Uh, you guys are what a team you are. And, by the way, let me say this. I'm going to tip my cap uh, to those of you who, who – uh, after I appealed yesterday, made a, made a donation at CoachDaveLive.com. Uh, Serge, thank you so much, brother. I never, I can't even, I can't even tell you. And yes, we, some of you still can, but I, I did notice this: that many, of the, many of you who sent in twenty bucks, it was the first time you'd ever done that. And we, once you know, we really, we really appreciate it because, <clears throat> you know, we're trying to expand. We're trying to have more impact, and uh, we don't. You, I don't have to explain to you guys. You know what's going on there. So, Trent, uh, because <clears throat> Trent thought the prayer idea was such a good thing, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> he, he said we need to do this more. Trent, are you out there, buddy? Can you come in and talk a little bit about what your vision is there? I don't see Trent in the queue. You don't see him in there. So that's the way it works. How about Bobby Lee? Bobby Lee in this camping event, camping thing. Are you out there, Bobby? Can you come in? See, Bobby's working now, so he's not as free to to come and go. If if they're not out there, then we'll talk about we'll talk about it tomorrow. But are you there, Bobby? No, I don't see Bobby. And then don't for, okay, Bobby's not there either. Okay, then the annual event. Don't forget the annual event, which is coming up on uh, the weekend of June. It was it nine eight nine nine ten one Friday Saturday? Don't have it in front of me. So uh, again, just thanks to all of you. Happy birthday, Doctor Paul. Continue to pray for Doctor Paul. Uh, hey man, we're a team. We're a team. We're all in this together. Just like in a family, man. There, thank you uh, for getting that up there for me. It's all up on the screen. Some of you have already started to register at Coach Dave Live, and sure appreciate all that stuff too, as well. So I'm going to uh, – I don't think I've forgotten anything. I'm going to pull back here a little bit, and I'm going to kind of kick it over to Clay. By the way, Spencer, if you could real quickly, um, pull up that Brideon show from yesterday. I think we have it on – I think it's posted at Coach Dave Live as well. Yesterday, if you didn't get a chance to see our Brideon show, maybe I'll try to unveil a little bit there. Yeah, I, I, I had a uh, – Here's here's where I am, as you guys know. Go to all these all these uh, events, Clay Clark events, and I had the one this weekend, and uh, you know, two weekends, three weekends ago, Rob Pugh did one, then we had one this weekend down in Texas, and they're all really really good. But the problem that I have with them is it's just more uh, confirmation that things are screwed up. And we had speakers come and they said, "Boy, this is screwed up, and that's screwed up, and boy, yeah, boy, that's screwed up, and man, this is screwed up." And nobody really ever has a plan of what to do about it. So yesterday, I thought just as part of uh, just to try to expand a little bit, I had I had some guests and Laura, uh, Laura Ann out there. Some of you I tried to connect with, I couldn't get it to work. I'm sorry about that. And I just exposed on the Brideon show all the people, just guys like Clay Parker. And Myra, are you kidding me? And Eileen, they call in and, and Angie, they call in and say, we're doing this and we're doing this. And Jeff Klein, and we're doing this and doing this and doing this. Because people don't have any idea how to get engaged. And I'm telling you, my friends, we are, I could be careful what I say. I don't know if anybody's doing what we're doing. I don't know anybody who's organizing and doing what we're doing. And so, um, I thought this would be a good time to feature it on Brideon, and so we exposed some of that yesterday on that Brideon show. So it's, that's posted there at Coach Dave Live if you want to catch some of those testimonies. We ought to do more of it. In fact, I think maybe that's kind of where we are this morning. That Clay's going to do a little bit of that, that as well. But others need to know, look, it's Coach Dave Live, right? 
It's like the Ohio State Buckeyes. They don't come to watch the head coach. They come to watch the football players. They come to watch to see how the coaches train the football players, how they how they perform. And we got some great performers here at Coach Dave Live, and uh, maybe we'll try to feature them a little bit. Anyway, Clay, I'm going to serve it over to you, brother. Take it, take it where you want to, and I'll remain right here, and I'll, I'll ride shotgun with you. All right, Coach. Well, one thing before you, you, you know, just sit back and let me take it over. Uh, about that prayer team, can you expand on how important prayer is? Because I've got a little clip I want to show here in a minute. And uh, <clears throat> prayer let me, let is me, so important, man. Let me say this, Clay. Let me say this. Are you looking at me, friends? Prayer without action is worthless. I'm sorry. And and, and how many of you, when you pray, say, uh, you know, you, you could pray, Lord, oh, Lord, please help us. Straighten out our educational system. Oh, please, Lord. Well, okay. Lord says, I'll help you do it. How about you start going to some school board meetings? And maybe we can get it straightened out that way. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you please would you please bring Susie to the Lord? Well, okay, yeah, I'll bring Susie to the Lord. How about you start witnessing to Susie? Oh, Lord. Right, folks, look. Prayer empowers action. I get so sick of hearing people, well, I'll pray about it. I'll go pray. Dude, come on, man. And I, I'm, I'm reminded, Clay, I'm sorry to meet. I, I'm not sorry. It's my show. Uh, I'm reminded of what it says. If you say into this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and don't doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. Folks, how do you know when somebody doubts in their heart? Well, a man's, a man's heart is deceitful above all things. And if my heart is set hard to the point that I'm actually going out and doing what is in my heart, that's when the Lord moves. You cannot sit in your house and pray that the Lord will change things when he's made you the change agent. You are the one that's supposed to go and do. And again, that's the message. That's the message that is missing in the church. Go into your prayer closet and do what? What do you do in your prayer closet? Do you go in there and beg God to do something? Is that what we do? Beg God to do something? What do you say? Lord, empower me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Lord, show me what to do. Lord, put me in the right place. Lord, use my voice. Lord, use me. Do you mix your prayers with that? And I would say for the most part, we haven't been trained to do that. We pray, Lord, please send somebody. Oh, please, Lord. It's like we're begging God. He's our commander in chief. He empowers us to go do the work of the ministry. So. I, I get sick. I'm sorry. I get um, I get sick of people saying, oh, I'll pray about it. And then they don't even pray about it. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray as I go. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray all the way there. And I'm going to pray when I'm there. And I'm going to pray, Lord, that you bring me before governors and kings as a testimony against them. And that I won't even have to think what I'm supposed to speak because you're going to give it to me that same hour. Because I've been praying about it, Lord. And I know that when I show up, you're going to show up. And if we would get that attitude, folks, pray as we go or pray and go or pray for those who go, we might we might move the ball a little bit. Come on back in, Clay. I'm sorry. I just had to get that out of me. Well, you know, what what your show about was about yesterday on uh, past assault was mainly about uh, ordinary people doing extraordinary things when they have Christ in them. Amen. And when they're serving Christ, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
that's what I kind of want to talk about today. Uh, Boom. This prayer force, when you get together and you pray, when, when you pray in, in, by yourself, that's one thing. That'll, that'll strengthen you. But when you get amongst other people and you pray and have song, it, it has a lot of power in it. And your prayers can uplift the group that you're around. There's a lot of power in that. And, and then uh, so 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 Clay Jeff Klein could could say, "Hey, listen, uh, Huddle. Hey, Huddle. Listen, I'm going to go tonight to the school board meeting. Would you please pray for me? We could do that, can't we, Clay? Amen. Yes, we can do that. And uh, I found this clip that I want to share with y'all. is is from the movie Glory. If you've never seen the movie Glory, it's based on a it's based on a true story about the Massachusetts uh, 54th Regiment, I believe, in the Civil War. And this this is a powerful, powerful clip that they made in movie land. And I want you to see how how strong prayer and song can be. Blessings yeah. on all of us, so that 
if tomorrow is our great getting up morning, uh, if tomorrow we have to meet the judgment day, uh, Heavenly Father, we want you to let our folks know uh, that we died facing the enemy. We want them to know that we went down standing up amongst those that are fighting against our oppression. We want them to know, Heavenly Father, that we died for freedom. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good, Mr. Producer. You know, Clay, if I Clay, if I can just jump in there real quickly, that's powerful, folks. And you know what really it kind of grieves my heart? Huh? Blacks and whites serve the same Christ, don't we? We serve the same Christ, right? Think of the division in the churches. Think of the division. Christianity divided, black and white. God help us, Clay. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Go ahead, brother. Well, that reminds me of of being under the tent at Sky High with our brothers and sisters. We've had some powerful prayers up there on that hill. And they were getting ready. The 54th Massachusetts Regiment was getting to go into a bloody battle the next day. And we're we got to understand that we're in a bloody battle right now. It's it you know the blood's not being shed on our front door, but it's coming if things don't change. Hey, I see uh, Dale. You got your hand up, brother? Come on in, Dale. Can you hear me? I do, Clay. Just uh, don't got a fast finger there. You know, y'all, you started that show with with the uh, scripture found in Matthew, I believe. Let me see if it's Matthew, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark 11, 23. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, whoever saith unto this mountain, be thou plucked up and removed, it shall be done. It shall be done, not doubting in your heart that it shall be done, that he who says it come to pass. Coach, I was at the abortion clinic that, well, it never became. The Planned Parenthood uptown New Orleans, when the Lord showed me of what that prayer is, and he told me, he rebuked me, and then I rebuked the people. He said, quit telling me about the mountain. Go to mm. the mountain and tell the mountain about me. And brother, Amen. That was, brother, that's what I prayed over that clinic. And you know, that Planned Parenthood never opened ever, ever. Mm, Dale, quit speaking to the mountain. Start telling the mountain about him. Don't tell God about the mountain. Oh, my goodness. That's powerful, Dale. Amen, Dale. Uh, when we go into battle, we definitely need to have Christ with us. Uh, Spencer, Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. 
and they shall walk and not faint. Clay, can I, Clay, can I say something there? I'm sorry, dude. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not sorry. Folks, <clears throat> the simple, hey, John, is it Jonathan? Is it Spencer this morning? Whoever it is. Spencer. Pull up uh, Webster's and look up weight. Weight. W A I T. I'm putting my glasses on. Weight. Like a waiter, folks. Waiter. A waiter is one who serves. It's to wait says to stay or rest in expectation, to stay proceedings or suspend any business, to rest in expected patience, to rest in expect, expected uh, patience, uh, to st- stay connected by hindrance. Scroll on down there. To lie in ambush, to serve. That's what I'm looking for. To attend to, to go to see, to visit on, to pay Follow, serve, serve. You get it, folks? Those who wait upon the Lord, those who serve the Lord, not those who sit around and wait for God to do something, those who anticipate and serve the Lord, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall not faint and fall. Do you understand? It's not sitting around there waiting for the Lord to move. It's an active engagement waiting. Boom. Oh, Amen. my goodness. Amen. Go ahead, Clay. That's good, isn't it? That, that's worth the price of the show right there. Huh? Didn't say sit, sit in the corner and wait. Sit in the corner and wait for that mountain to be removed. Is that what it's supposed to be? No, no, no. You go out and you serve the Lord. As Dale just said, you speak to the mountain about the Lord. You don't speak to the Lord about the mountain. Golly, that's good. Well, after after that show yesterday, Coach, I was a uh... – you know, pondering all the things we talked about. And, and like I say, if you hadn't seen that, watch Past Assault replay on Brideon.tv. Uh, it's a great show. Clay, and, listen, uh, I'm, I'm, Clay, I'm sorry. I just looked again at the screen. Look what number six, look what number six says. What Can you read that, Clay? Do you see that? Number six. To wait upon the Lord says what? To, to be, be ready to serve, to obey. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I was just thinking about you know how we were talking about ordinary people can do extraordinary things if Christ is with them or if they're serving Christ or if they're uh maybe maybe not may, even if they're not necessarily going out preaching the gospel every day but they've got the spirit of liberty inside of them and they're looking for freedoms and and uh, they care about people being treated equally, they can still have a massive effect on the outcome of the world. And uh, all the people that are in this this huddle that we've been traveling to these different places and doing these things, no matter where we went, they're all ordinary people. But some of them have done extraordinary things. And uh, a Johnny Cash song came on, and it it made me realize I've always had a connection with Johnny Cash for some reason growing up. And it made me realize uh, how much Johnny Cash had an impact on my life. Uh, He was a star when I was born in 1971. And uh, I can remember being just a little fella 
little 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 child listening to Johnny Cash and him having an impression on me. And now everybody knows that Johnny Cash was born an ordinary person. And he was a sinner, just like the rest of us. So some people would say, I don't want to have anything to do with Johnny Cash because he took drugs and everything else. But let me tell you just a little bit about Johnny Cash. He was a poor boy that grew up in rural Arkansas to a dirt poor family. And they settled in uh, Dias, Arkansas, I believe. And he was raised up during the Depression. He was born in 1932. He had a brother that was two years older than him named Jack. And uh, Jack wanted to be a, a preacher. Even though he was just a little boy, he knew he wanted to be a preacher. And he would tell people about the Lord and tell people about Jesus. And Johnny Cash, he wasn't as... Uh, as nice and and spiritual spirit led as his brother jack was and i, I y'all might know this story but they were poor so his dad had both of them doing chores and some work and the older brother jack he was supposed to be cutting some wood one day at the sawmill and uh he was only 14 years old and he was told he actually him and his brother johnny was supposed to go work at the sawmill together but Johnny wanted to go fishing. And so Jack ended up going to the sawmill and working by himself. And he was sawing some boards on a big old saw. And uh, Johnny was off fishing. And uh, he got in an accident while he was cutting those boards. Some people think what happened was the, the saw either buckled or jumped. Or maybe he just leaned over too far. But that blade went into his chest and split him wide open. He was 14, 14 years old, and uh, old Johnny Cash, when he found out that his brother had been, you know, severely wounded while he was off fishing, uh, of course, he felt real bad about that, and his his dad was also really upset at him for not going to the the meal with his uh with his brother, and a few days later, old Jack died, and uh, Johnny Johnny Cash felt pretty bad about that you know he was devastated by that and uh later in life his dad would would tell him well even as a young young boy is my understanding that his dad told him said uh it should have been you that died told johnny mm-hmm. should have been you and uh that's gotta that's gotta be hard now my, my dad's told me some things that's hurt my feelings before pretty bad but nothing near nearest what he was told by that but anyway johnny cash just to give you a little bit more background than him he graduated high school and i think it was 1950 and joined the air force a couple of months later and then he uh signed for with sun records in 1954 he started uh in the music business and he ended up taking some drugs getting on those drugs and it about killed him he wasn't uh the nicest fella in the world. He, he sinned. He was a sinner. He uh, signed with Sun Records in 1954. He uh, played his first prison stint concert in 1960. He ended up playing San Quentin several more times all throughout his career. He played uh, at Folsom State Prison in 1966. He had a connection with the prisoners. He, uh, I think something must have happened 
in his nature and with himself to where he felt like that could have easily been me in prison. And, you know, it's kind of like getting a traffic ticket. The people are speeding down the road. Only a few get pulled over, but all of us could be guilty of that. I think there's been things in Johnny Cash's life to where he said, I could easily be locked behind these bars and uh, they treat people different that are behind those bars just because you're behind the bars, just because you got caught. And the people that didn't get caught, well, they don't get treated that same way. I think he had mercy on them, and I think that's really important for us to have mercy on people. Um, he married June Carter in 1968. And then in 1970, he was a pretty popular star. And I don't know if y'all are aware of this. This is before I was born, but I found out that Richard Nixon was trying to get the the pres president Nixon was trying to get the he wasn't president at the time he's wanting to to uh, win the Southern vote so he started buddying up to Johnny Cash then he when when he became president he invited Johnny Cash to the White House because the South had flipped from partially red and partially blue to all red so he thought if he could get Johnny Cash in the White House and sing a couple of songs that he could buy all the Southern votes. So he invited Johnny Cash to the White House. It turned out to be one of the most popular banquets they ever had at the White House at the time. Everybody wanted to go see Johnny Cash. Richard Nixon wanted Johnny Cash to sing two particular songs. One was Okie from Muskogee uh, by Merle Haggard, and another one, called welfare cadillac by guy drake and uh welfare cadillac if you're not familiar with that song it talks about a guy that's being on that's on welfare and he uh has to struggle to pay all his bills so he has to be on welfare because he's not working and everything but somehow he's always driving a brand new cadillac and richard nixon wanted him to sing those two songs but johnny cash he was a rebel. He was rough around the edges. So he went to the White House, but he didn't sing those songs. He ended up singing the song that he called, he, he wrote called What is Truth? And old Richard Nixon, they say, was squirming in the seat when Johnny Cash sang that song, What is Truth? Because he was asking what the real truth is. Because he, he, he apparently didn't believe all the social media uh, that was going around those days or the news. And so he was a rebel pushing back. And I think he would have been part of the salt and light brigade. If he, if he was, uh, living around us and just a regular guy in 1973, he did a, uh, a film called gospel road, a story of Jesus. And he went to the Holy land to film that. I don't know if y'all know this, but a lot of, of Johnny Cash's albums, he believed in tithing. So on most all of his albums, he wanted to include at least one of the 10 songs to be about uh, a, a song of faith. So even though he was rough around the edges and, and living a sinful life at times, he still believed in Christ and wanted to serve. And it made a difference. Johnny Cash, he stood up for the downtrodden. If you look up downtrodden in the dictionary, I looked it up last night. It's, 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 it says those oppressed are treated badly by people in power. 
Johnny Cash called himself the man in black and he wrote this song called the man in black. And I want to play this clip, Mr. Producer, please uh, play man in black for us and listen to what Johnny Cash says in this song. I look around the other day, I talked with several of you and we asked each other a lot of questions. I asked you questions. You asked me questions. And uh, uh, I did for a song started brewing then. And since I saw you last Saturday, I wrote this song. And I just finished writing this song, the fourth or fifth rewrite this morning. So that's why I've got to have the cards to remind myself of what the words are, the last version I wrote. This song is a very personal thing, I suppose you might say, but it's the way I feel about a lot of things. This song is called The Man in Black. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black Why you never see bright colors on my back And why does my appearance always have a somber tone Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down Living in the hopeless hungry side of town and I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime but still is there because he's a victim of the time I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity why you think he's talking straight to you and me well we're doing mighty fine i do suppose in our streak of lightning cars and fancy clothes but just so we're reminded of the ones who are held back up front there ought to be a man in black I wear it for the sick and lonely old For the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been Each week we lose a hundred fine young men And yes, I wear it for the thousands who have died Believing that the Lord was on their side and wear it for another hundred thousand who've died Believing that we all were on their side Well, there's things that never will be right, I know And things need changing everywhere you go But till we start to make a move To make a few things right You'll never see me wear a suit of white I'd love to wear a rainbow every day To tell the world that everything's okay But maybe I can carry off a little darkness on my back Till things are brighter, I'm the man in black Well, hey, now, I don't know about y'all, but I think that that song right there is just as relevant today as it was in 1970. 
it's amazing and and i can i don't i, I was born in 71 and and i think that song was released in 70 so i know i didn't see it then but i can tell you that when i was just a little child i can remember right now looking at the tv and hearing that song played and and uh, that that song had an effect on me at whatever age i was and here we are playing it on on uh coach dave live today and so it's had an effect he's had an effect on people i don't i don't know if you know this but billy graham went and ate at johnny cash's house and i know a lot of people may not like billy graham but he was a pretty important figure in united states religious history and he ate dinner at johnny cash's house and uh, johnny cash was trying to impress his father you know try to try to uh, get accolades from his father at some point so after after he left johnny cash reportedly said hey dad what about that billy graham was in my house eating at my table and said his dad told him that ain't squat son that don't mean nothing and so it didn't matter what johnny did he couldn't win his father's favor and uh that's got to be rough but i can tell you that i think I'll show you something maybe later in the show. Maybe we'll close the show out with another song that he did the year before he died. But I can tell you that that ordinary man had some faith in Jesus Christ and he did some good things and his music has affected billions of people all over this planet. And I believe that song right there uh, probably ticked off some of the politicians and some of the tyrants of this world and it built build people up to want to push back against them. And I'd say that's a good thing. What do you think, Coach? You're muted, Coach. I was, I was thinking this morning, really, Clay, this is it's a pretty poignant uh, thing. I was thinking this morning, as I was doing a little bit of show prep here, just kind of figuring out the Internet worked, uh, of the people that we – who determines – who determines who gets famous? Now, what, say, wait a minute, Coach, what are you talking about? Well, who determines who replaces Tucker Carlson on Fox? Who, who gets the 6 o'clock slot? Who determines who we listen to? I think, if we, I think if we went down that rabbit hole someplace, Clay, we would find out that most of the people who have influence have been selected for that spot. Now, not Johnny Cash days. I've probably changed a little bit, right? But just just go ahead and think of, think about some of the stupid, stupid people out there who end up being people of prominence because somebody put them in that spot. Did they sleep their way to the top? Did they buy their way to the top? How did it happen? And uh, I think we have to sit back and ask ourselves questions like, uh, who made Johnny Carson famous? What? Yeah, how did Johnny Carson, who picked him for that? Who picked Jay Leno to sit in that seat? Who picked Rush Limbaugh, right? So uh, there's a lot more control that's going on around us than what we understand. And we know, especially, again, coming back to the religious aspect of it, man, who decides which Christian minister is going to become world famous? I wonder if that's all done by the Lord, if there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't understand. That was my reaction. 
I think it's I think it's rare just for some old boy out of the hills of Kentucky to make it to the top. I think there's a lot of other stuff going on. That's right. That's right. Glenn Claremont. Come on in. Good morning, brother. Yeah, good morning, Clay. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Clay, there's a, you know, going back to the movie Glory, there's a clip that I that I uh, sent you. I don't know if you can get the producer to, uh, if you can upload it and the producer can play it. If he can, um, I, I think it's, it's a good illustration of uh, the Salt and Light Brigade. Uh, and and also uh what coach coaches influence uh, on us all um so i'll make a comment uh and frame the uh the clip uh if you can do it i'll try to send it to him right now uh let's get randall in here while i'm sending it to him Uh, yes, Clay. I, I've always had that connection with Johnny Cash too, and I think it's because um, you, you know he was he was a person who was very had lived a very troubled life, very troubled soul, but uh, he was he was always anchored in Jesus, and you just felt he was much more honest than today's celebrities. You know, he was not like a prefab uh, prefabricated celebrity. You know, he he. he he made it to the top uh, based on his talent, and he knew that. I mean, and, and he knew that he was just a uh, very troubled person who happened to have a lot of talent. And, 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 you know, he was actually a real social justice warrior, not one that goes around burning buildings, but he, he was always fighting for the underclass, and he, he, he just felt that he, he felt things very – he had a big heart, felt things very heavily – and uh, I, I just I, I think he may have been one of the, the last really last really true celebrities that that were that was just a straightforward man. Yep, that's right. I agree with you, Joseph Allen. Good morning. Hang on a second. Can I can I come in with some breaking news here, real quick? Hang on there. Uh, OJ and Dorita had a little a grandson born last night, a little bit after one, one o'clock through C-section and mom and baby are doing fine. Mm. Hallelujah. Yeah, congratulations. Spencer, do you see anything coming through your email yet? Joseph Allen, come on in brother. This is a great show this morning, talking about our prayer. And my wife and I, this our, this last weekend, we spent time saying, Augustine, 37 years of marriage. We were driving the coastline coming back, and we were seeing all these rich homes and everything. And we were talking about the prayer. And my wife said, how, how do these people afford it? to live on a coast like these million-dollar homes. And I, I told her, I said, here's another question. Are they happy? Yeah, that's have a, a good question. Or do we have the power of prayer to keep our hearts in Jesus? And so, so Joseph, that, that reminds me of the Hotel California. One of the greatest lines in that song is, we are all just prisoners of our own device. 
Right, so, coach. Huh? Yeah, right. It, we look like we'd right. want to be that. We look like we would want to be that person. But are they really right. in prison, Joe? Are they really locked in That's prison? That's right. That's what Johnny Cash is all about. Amen, Clay. Amen, Joseph. Spencer, how are we looking on that clip? It's pulled up. That's what's on screen. All right. <laughs> Glenn. Yeah, let me just comment. Sure, thank you. Let me just comment on this. This is a good characterization, I think. This clip characterizes I um, pretty well. Think of the 54th as the Salt and Light Brigade when you watch this. And then uh, the commander of the 54th, think of it as, uh, for example, coach. All right. And then you're going to listen to General uh, George Crockett. He's going to tell you that the obstacles, the problems with being active, you're, you're going to face, you're, we're going to face criticism. We're going to, we're, you know, uh, we're going to face a lot as we try to stand up for righteousness. Okay. So as you watch this clip, think about it in those terms. All right. Thanks. By the way, by the way, one thing, the 54th is this, this clip, this is after the 54th first, um, their, their, uh, their first battle against the Confederates, uh, their, uh, their first, very first skirmish. So, so they've been activated. All right. So think of it in those terms. This is, this is, this is after their very first skirmish with the enemy. Uh, and now they're facing their second one. All right, you tell us when we need no to No one will ever out. take Charleston without first silencing the forts which protect its harbor. And the first one that must be taken is that, Fort Wagner. Wagner mounts a 10-inch Columbiad. Three smoothbore 32-pounders, a 42-pound carronade, a 10-inch coast mortar, and four 12-pound howitzers. Plus a garrison of about a 1,000 men. As many of you gentlemen may be aware, for the last four days, our Navy has weakened Wagner with a constant barrage. Headquarters has determined a time for our attack. We will proceed with a direct frontal assault tomorrow at dusk. The problem, gentlemen, is the approach. The ocean and the marsh leave only a narrow strip of sand, a natural defile through which we can only send one regiment at a time. Now, our best hope that that leading regiment can keep the Rebs occupied long enough for reinforcements to exploit the breach. Needless to say, casualties in the leading regiment may be extreme. General Strong, 54th Massachusetts, requests the honor of leading the attack on Fort Wagner. Colonel Shaw, isn't it? Yes, sir. You and your men haven't slept for two days. That's right, sir. Do you think they have the strength to lead this charge? There's more to fighting than rest, sir. There's character. There's strength of heart. You should have seen us in action two days ago. We were a sight to see. 
We'll be ready, sir. Amen. That was good, Glenn. Thanks for sharing that with us. Amen, brother. Uh, I want to shift gears for a minute because we're getting close to the end of the hour here in a few minutes, and I want to make sure I get a couple of things in. Uh, Spencer, if you will, pull up number three. It's an article. Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. Let me pull that up where I can read it here. All right, so this article here, Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., in case you don't know, he's running for on the Democratic ticket for president 2024. This article here is talking about Robert F. Kennedy, and it's also talking about our other choices for president. And I want to, I'm going to read this article. It's not long. So you, I think it represents a really good representation of where we're at right now. It says, uh, the article below is from 2015, but it doesn't matter because even if RFK Jr. had widespread support, he doesn't. The Democrat, the Democratic Party would simply screw him over. I don't know if I have the energy to do this again, but as per the quadrennial routine in the United States, here's what's going to happen. After more than a year of tightened idiocracy leading up to November 2024, Americans will be presented with a choice of the two most god-awful fully compromised presidential candidates imaginable. Then on election day, it will be time to choose wisely and then wear the pin. And you see the pin, I vomited instead I voted. If you're looking for reasons to pick a candidate, any candidate, I would consider medical freedom and an anti-CBDC central bank digital currency stance to be minimums. If you agree, Kennedy is the only option so far. DeSantis is for medical freedom and against CBDC, but he isn't running, at least not yet. It's hard to see how either of them will be on the ballots in November 2024. As for Trump, he will always be Mr. Pfizer warp speed to me. Was he in on the COVID scam from the start? Or was it incompetence? In either case, Trump is the front runner on the Republican side by a wide margin. Last but not least, Joe Biden. 70% of Americans don't want him to run, but he will be running, falling, stumbling, and mumbling for re-election anyway. And then it says via the week, another publication that says, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said in an interview, that he wishes there were a law to punish people who are skeptical of or deny global warming. I don't think there is a law. This is a quote from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I don't think there is a law that you can punish these politicians under, Kennedy said, adding that skeptical politicians are selling out the public trust. Kennedy was very critical of the conservative Koch brothers and politicians who fail to act on climate change, calling them con- contemptible human beings. Those guys are doing the Koch brothers' bidding and are against all the evidence of the rational mind, saying global warming does not exist, he said. 
So I thought that, like I say, I think that was a really good representation of where we're at in the United States looking at the elections 2024. And if you say, well, did Robert F. Kennedy really say those things? Pull up clip number four, very short clip. Listen real closely. So he said, if you don't believe in global warming, you should be prosecuted and serve time for it. So this is uh, as good as he sounded the other day on, on the speech that he gave. That's not sounding too good to me right now. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to have a great choice for president again. I'm starting to wonder if we're going to ever see another good president in the United States of America. I think those who are for the killing of unborn babies should be in jail. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And another thing I want to get to you real quick is uh, number five, another article that's very important right now. The HPV vaccine caused cervical cancer in young women lawsuit that just come out. Human Papillonius vaccine injury lawyers from Washburn, Washington Bomb, filed a lawsuit in federal court on behalf of a young woman in Utah who alleges that the vaccine caused her to develop cervical cancer and other injuries. Come on down. Scroll down some. According to the complaint, Merck has never studied whether Gardasil prevents cervical cancer. Instead, Gardasil was tested to determine if it could prevent development of certain lesions. Come on down. Scroll on down. Keep coming. Keep on coming. Come on down some more. All right, Carolyn Cantera was 19 years old when she received her first of the three Gardasil shots. She agreed to receive Gardasil after being convinced by Merck's prolific marketing that the vaccine is very safe and prevents cervical cancer. Scroll on down some more, Spence. Every, let's see. Uh, every day since my diagnosis has been a battle. My body is still recovering from the toll of the intense treatments to fight cancer. Scroll on down. All right. Uh, scroll back up a little bit. I want to see if I can find that one spot I was looking for in this. Come on up some more. Keep going. 
little bit more. Before receiving the HPV vaccine, Caroline was very healthy and never had to go to the doctor for anything other than regular checkups and physical exams for sports. She received routine pap testing, all of which were negative prior to Gardasil. In high school, she played tennis regularly, went backpacking, and loved spending time outdoors. She lived a happy, carefree life filled with friends and activities. After her Gardasil injections, Carolyn experienced unexpected fatigue, intense stomach aches, and overall weakness throughout her body. The fatigue and occasional abdominal pain continued until she noticed that her period had lasted over four weeks. After that, she thought was an initial visit to the gynecologist. Her life suddenly took a drastic and unexpected turn. All right, scroll on down, Spencer. I want to find this spot where it gives you some statistics. All right, here it is. Uh, Furthermore, cervical cancer rates are climbing rapidly in countries where Gardasil has a high uptake. In Norway, with an 80% uptake, there has been a 24% increased rate of cervical cancer in women 25 to 29 years old since the introduction of Gardasil. In Sweden, 70% uptake. They've had a 16% increase rate in cervical cancer in women 25 to 29 years old. In Scotland, they've had an 80% uptake in the vaccine. There's been a 15% increased rate of cervical cancer. In the United States, with a 70% uptake on the first dosage and a 50% uptake on the second dosage, there are increases in cervical cancer in women under 50 and a decrease in women over 50, the ones over 50 would be the ones that did not receive the Gardasil vaccine. So it's dropping for the people that didn't get the vaccine, but it's increasing for the ones that did. Since the introduction of HPV vaccine in England, cervical cancer rates among young women aged 20 to 24 have risen by 65%. So I just want to throw that out there and you can read the whole article, you know, it'll be the link will be in the chat. But these vaccines folks, more about the vaccines, don't trust the vaccines. I wanted to make sure I got that out there because until they can figure this out, I don't recommend myself that you get any vaccine without doing your own research first. Thank you, Spencer. And now we're getting close to the end of the hour. So if you hang around for the after show, I'll share a couple of videos for you. I'll share that. I'm sorry we didn't get the Johnny Cash follow-up video in there today, but I will show it in the after show. And uh, you got anything to close us out, Coach? Last word from Coach. Good job today, Clay. Good job to all of Listen. You all can make a difference right where you are. You have to every day position yourself, pray and position yourself for the Lord to pass the ball to you. You never know when you're going to have the opportunity to do something that's going to change your community. It's going to change your state, maybe even change the world. Johnny Cash.
became Johnny Cash. Huh? God bless you, folks. Thanks for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.